0: Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight for us to be and come to you again on this Wednesday, July the 29th of 2020. And uh, as always, we are honored that you would join us. We are privileged, and, and we thank you for taking time out of your day to join us as we study the Word of God. We have been in, an, in a very good, interesting journey uh just glean so much from john 20 and 21 and it seems like uh we're not close to finishing and that's good yeah. that means that god has more to show us this is amazing yeah. this is amazing uh the things that we have been able to glean uh concerning what the lord is uh did and what happened in that day and so i'm excited about today's bible study i'm excited about uh sharing this time with our with our um, panel. And today we have Brother Marty, Brother Fernando. As always, it is good to study the Word of God with you men of God. And Brother Marty, uh, I'll leave it with you uh, to give as much time as we can to the study of the Word so that you can share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together.
1: Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back again on this Wednesday, and uh, we're going to continue uh, looking at the third appearance uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to his uh, his apostles after he rose from the dead. Uh, there were several appearances that were made after the resurrection, as we, we've been discussing. It, it was uh, to Mary uh, Magdalene in the garden, uh, to the two on the road to Emmaus. And then John begins to draw our attention, as we've been exploring over these last several podcasts, the disciples the Apostles um, and and three distinct separate uh, appearances that were made to them as the foundational representatives of, of the church upon whom the Lord would build the church and so we encourage you to go back and, and listen to these these series of I guess we're on number 10 now uh, podcast as as much as being revealed and it brings us to the 21st chapter which we began yesterday <laughs> and where we go from here on in is going to be uh is prayerfully and humbly submitted to the listening audience here uh deeper places in the word of god many times it's very difficult to, to discuss these things um, uh, you know at length and, and with the proper words in order to convey what it is that that we're seeing and so we we encourage you to open your Bibles and and follow along with us. And if you don't understand all of it, you will eventually. But we we want to begin to go deeper into the Word, and begin to to dig beneath the levels and the layers of things that are revealed. As we've said, the Apostle John, the writer and composer of the Book of Revelation, he wrote in the most uh, spiritual ways, and and. All the disciples, all the apostles who wrote the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, they were, you know, they, they, they landed their own, um, you know, things that they noticed, things they wanted to record. The the symmetry of the Gospels is there. But when you get to the Apostle John, he writes in such a, a very detailed way and focuses so much on the deeper spiritual meanings uh, as we're beginning to see. You know, for instance, when he begins his gospel in John chapter 1, he starts all the way back and he presents Jesus um, uh, and likening him in in the way that he wrote uh, to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John, in in John chapter 1, verse 1 says, uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word uh, dwelt, uh, became flesh and dwelt among us. And he says, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. He is before all things, and he is the light of the world. He's the light that shines out of the darkness. So he begins to present his gospel from that perspective in a very deep and spiritual way. And so in, in many ways, he wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, concealing beneath the layers of it all, very deep and prophetic truths that that are that are necessary for us to glean and to understand. And so we began yesterday in John chapter 21, which is where we'll be today, and we're going to look deeper and explore uh, at at deeper layers and deeper levels. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would grant us that grace in Jesus' name that our ears would be open and our hearts receptive, our minds able to comprehend what it is the Spirit is saying to the churches in our time. And John. T- Chapter 21 is going to reveal some, some, some pretty amazing things as we continue to, to delve into these things. And so, Brother Jeremy, as we begin this morning, we'd like you, please, if you wouldn't mind, to read us the, the first three verses of John chapter 21, and, and we'll pick it up from there by God's grace and, in the name
0: of the Lord. Amen. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and the two other and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately and that night they caught nothing
1: and that night they caught nothing so we're going to be taking most of what we're teaching today out of that third verse especially beginning to deal with what the apostle john drew our attention to under the inspiration of the holy spirit when he says at the end of verse three that night they caught nothing so like like we say like we said, we're we're going to continue today by God's grace to see what the great apostle John wrote in the last chapter of his gospel. Much of what he wrote here is it it can be considered to be, I don't know, hidden to the untrained eye as so many prophetic truths uh in this twenty first chapter are so are, are are really uh figures and types types and shadows, allegories, metaphors, however you want to call it, in this 21st chapter, many of the figures and types, um, <clears throat> they're concealed in the way that John writes. And he wrote in a specific way. And, and while the actual accounts that he writes about, the events that he writes, are, 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 uh, are indeed the historical narrative, they actually happened, it is the way that he was led by the spirit the way that he was led by the Holy Spirit to compose or to write these accounts. And and you know, if we look deeper and we inspect them closer, we'll begin to see that things were veiled or, or, or hidden uh, on the surface. But as you dig, you begin to realize that the apostle wrote with such incredible insight, and yet he covered it by the Spirit only to be opened, uh, we believe, in in these last days. And so, you know, as we look at these things, we'll begin to see that there are things that will become unveiled and and you're going to see some things uh, that we believe uh, we are now going to need to understand, especially now, because I believe they're specifically for our time. Now, uh, one of the things I wanted to say was that, you know, Peter said that that no scripture is of private interpretation, but that holy men of old were moved or inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. And so that is the the sense in which we're looking at them. Um, so I, I want us, you know, to look again, and 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 as we look at these these verses we're about to explore today, let's see what we can prophetically discern, and this will do by the grace of the Holy Spirit. So, Brother Jeremy, could you read again verse 1, as we begin in verse 1?
0: After these things, Jesus showed himself unto the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself.
1: What I want to draw our attention to to begin with is the way that John presents verse 1. When he finishes verse 1, he says, this is how the Lord chose to reveal himself in the third and final time that john chooses to record his appearances to them we know there were other appearances because saint paul in first corinthians chapter 15 gives a whole list of of specific appearances of the lord so it's fascinating to me and to us that john chooses only to focus on three of them we've been through the first two already we encourage you to go back and look at those but now we come to the third uh, appearance that he chooses to focus on and he uses that phrase in order to begin to convey something to us he says this is how the lord appeared so just with him saying it that way we need to take note of that and go okay what's he trying to say here because it appears he's trying to to kind of hint at the way that the lord came to them and the events surrounding the way that he made his appearance could very well be be revealing some things that uh, that we need to to understand what brother jeremy read there in the first verse uh john uses the phrase uh that that uh uses the phrase the sea of tiberius says after these things jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of tiberius and we as we pointed out yesterday this this really sets the tone for what he's trying to unveil and you know because the truth of the matter is is that Uh, as we talked about yesterday, is that the Sea of Tiberias, what he's actually referring to is the Sea of Galilee. But the fact that he changes the name and calls it by the Roman name, the territory of Rome and and the the renaming of, of the Sea of Galilee to the Sea of Tiberias, it sets the tone and it draws our attention to his prophetic intent, how he's writing again, like I said, this isn't Bible 101, but yet, as we follow along, we're going to see some extraordinary things and why he wrote this way and why he hid it this way, why he wrote in such a way and and the little clues that he gives us along the way. so the very first one then is that he calls the sea, not the Sea of Galilee, but he now begins to call it the Sea of Tiberius. And so, like I said, it draws our attention to what he's prophetically intending to reveal to us by the way that he's writing. So, we have to ask that question what does it reveal? It reveals many, many things, but one thing you have to understand and consider is by calling it the Sea of Tiberias, remember again, this is John who wrote symbolically all throughout the book of Revelation. So, if we apply that prophetic lens to how he's constructing this 21st chapter, we begin to glean some things. So we know that that uh, what the Bible reveals concerning whenever you see the word "sea" or phrases um, or, or phrases like that that contain the word "sea," that it it always represents well, not always, but many times it represents the Gentile nations or many nations, many tongues, many tribes and and we see that when we when we compare scripture to scripture like brother Jeremy read yesterday in the book of Revelation chapter 17 verse 15 where the angel in revealing the waters that 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 the whore of Babylon sits upon he says the waters are are peoples and tribes and tongues and languages and so from from John calling it in verse 1 the sea of tiberius it is setting the tone for us to begin to view the chapter from the perspective of of this this kind of phraseology i know those are fancy words but 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 basically he he's, he's trying to draw our attention to the label of it so that it'll set the the discerning mind or the spiritual mind into focusing on what it is he's trying to reveal here and set the tone again like we said for end time events because this is the conclusion of his gospel and so it's like he's wrapping things up and as he wraps them up he's he's concealing in the way that he's writing from the undiscerning uh the things that he's about to reveal to those who will be uh given the insight by the holy spirit and that's his church that's you who's listening (laughs) so so we know that the word the, the c is the intent to convey the idea that he's now drawing our attention to the world, the multitudes, the languages, the the tribes, the tongues, the nations. And then by identifying it with Tiberius, we have to examine that and ask ourselves the question, well, wh- what does that mean? Why is he saying Tiberius? Well, when we compare it with in-time things, the tone that he's trying to set now is Tiberius, First we ask the question who was Tiberius and like we talked about yesterday he was a, a Caesar he was he was the uh he was the leader of the Roman Empire. And so by saying that the sea is the sea of Tiberius it sets the prophetic tone for us to understand what John is drawing our attention to is 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 what we and what we need to focus on has primarily to do with in time events when a Caesar like person is in charge of the sea. <laughs> so so <clears throat> by calling it the Sea of Tiberias, he's trying, and the Holy Spirit is trying to convey to his children that, that the time that John is writing here, even though he's recording a historical narrative, has within it multiple layers of, of concealed prophetic intent. And so by calling it the Sea of Tiberias, he's drawing our attention to that the sea appears to be now as we, as we compare prophetic scripture with comp- prophetic scripture, under the control of Tiberius. Tiberius being a figurehead name uh, for what we now know, is what John would reveal later in the book of Revelation, as, as the Antichrist. Well, why do you say that? Because <laughs> the Antichrist will be a one-world ruler in charge of the entire world. In John's day, the closest thing he could get to, to, to saying that in this 21st chapter is by identifying the sea as the sea of Tiberias. So he's conveying the idea that Tiberius is in control of the sea. And that's important to understand as we go forward in these next verses. Because what we have revealed in the book of Revelation is indeed one is coming who is going to rule the sea, comparing scripture was scripture and what the angel revealed as the waters represent it represents the multitudes the languages and the peoples of the world and so there is coming an antichrist figure and john sets the tone by calling it the sea of Tiberius. in other words the sea or the world will be under the control of of a one world ruler represented by rome uh, rome was the one world government it is a roman caesar and a world domination and he's trying to get us to understand that as he's about to go forward and what we're going to see. Now, we come to verse 2. What is verse 2, Brother Jeremy? Can
0: you read that? There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and and two other of his disciples. <laughs>
1: So the next, <laughs> next uh, he, he goes on to say, it's at this time, because he drew our attention to the Sea of Tiberias. We just discussed that. Then he draws our attention uh, to verse 2, where he names uh, seven individual people. He names Simon Peter. He names Thomas. He names Nathaniel. He names the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. And then there's two other of his disciples that are unnamed. But when you add it all up together, it comes out to the number seven. Now, why is this important? Because in regards to the Sea of Tiberias, he now begins to draw our attention to the number seven and, and what seven represents. Because there's seven disciples. This is the church during this time, during the time of the Sea of Tiberias, or during the time when the sea is under the label of Tiberius, representing the Antichrist and his world domination, and what the church is going to do in the midst of that. Look, this is the church during this time, so seven is the number of the church. Brother German, can you read that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, so that we can compare Scripture with Scripture, and 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 and, and those that are listening can follow our line of thinking here. And, and as we go, you're going to see how much is actually being revealed here in this event that John records.
0: Yes, Revelation 120. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches.
1: So we see the number seven attached to the church, right? He, he Jesus walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. That's how he describes this church, and he describes the church as seven. So it's very interesting in verse two, comparing Scripture with Scripture. And remember, John wrote the book of Revelation. He identifies seven disciples hidden within that identification of, of, of seven. is is what he's trying to convey, is that when the sea comes under the domination of a Tiberius-like figure, he draws our attention to the church and begins to show us how the church is going to react and what the church must do at this time and how close we actually are to Jesus showing himself to his church. Now, you, you guys <laughs> you guys jump in at any time okay don't don't, don't just let me dominate this conversation because i know you you're familiar with these kinds of concepts so if anything comes to your heart just bring it up now again in verse 2 we see seven mentioned and so john first draws our attention to a condition where he calls the sea the sea of Tiberias. we've already discussed that it represents the antichrist it represents the global government. It represents the, the nations of the world under his control. And so in essence, and in many ways, when you compare other scriptures, especially the book of Revelation, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, and other scriptures, Second Peter, you can read all through there, you're going to see that in, in essence, what John is drawing our attention to is, is the final tribulation period on the face of the earth because what's revealed is that when when antichrist finally usurps his authority it'll be sometime uh within a seven-year period he will first present himself as some sort of a benevolent figure but midway through the last final seven years on the on the planet it it, it becomes known as the great tribulation period the final three and a half years of human history it's at that time that he's in full control of, of of the world uh, and the world system, this Antichrist figure. So when John presents him uh, or presents that concept, he's talking in these deeply spiritual terms, deeply metaphoric and allegorical terms, types, shadows, but intended to convey hidden mysteries and revelation by how he writes the historical narrative. And so by drawing our attention in verse 2, to seven particular disciples if you can see it it is a reference a figure a veiled figure if you will of the church that will be around at the time when tiberius quote unquote is in charge of the sea now are you with me (laughs)
0: yes
1: so so now we come to today yeah we come to today's study right which is which is verse 3, because something interesting at this time, like we've been talking about, and that's not too far ahead, really. I mean, I really believe that we're fast approaching these days. Again, we never set dates or times or, you know, Jesus is coming at 2.30 a.m. on, you know, whatever, January 2nd. <laughs> I mean, we don't do that. Uh, but we can tell by the scriptures that we have entered into some very, very interesting times that are unlike any other times uh, on on the, on the face of the earth in the history of the world we have seen multiple solid prophetic scriptures fulfilled just in the last 100 years but the heat has been turned up the clock has been advanced dramatically as we came into the year 2020 so we're either right on the threshold of entering into the tribulation or we are in that time frame that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24 which is the beginning of sorrows, where he lays out all kinds of different things. We encourage you to go and look at that. So what we're focusing on, though, is these final years of history. And this is known as the tribulation, which is what we we think we're seeing here. Now, look, verse seven, something interesting happens now. I mean, verse three, uh, having revealed the condition of the sea as being dominated by Tiberius, a figure of the Antichrist, the sea, a figure of the world, our attention is now drawn to the church. And mm-hmm. and that's why he lays out seven particular disciples. And in the number seven, comparing scripture with scripture, that's why we call it a revelation of the church. Now verse three can you read verse three to us, Brother Jeremy, because now something interesting begins to unfold at this time.
0: Simon Peter Sayeth unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing.
1: Very, very interesting. And we'll break this down as the Lord gave it to us. Now listen, what we see first and foremost is the intent by leadership represented by Simon Peter. The true leadership not not the fake church here now we're talking about the real leadership here There's an intent by Peter uh to go fishing at this time to catch fish, you know, which is what we're supposed to be doing in the church. we're supposed to be catching fish, we're supposed to be doing the work of of an evangelist right we're supposed to be uh, attempting to preach the gospel and save souls That's what we see here is that at this time the intent will be. To to it almost seems like it's it's a it's an emphatic attempt to go under the under the scenario and the prophetic scenario that we're laying forth here as John's writing that there will be an intent of the body of Christ to go and and to get busy as we begin to see the, the darkness that has has come upon the earth because they're in the middle of the night here which we'll talk about in a minute but. That sets the tone to understand, and we'll we'll break down these words, and you'll begin to see some extraordinary things. So what we can learn from this is that <clears throat> there's an intent to work, there's an intent to fish, there's an intent to continue functioning as the church and and it's at this time, and what's interesting too is a fellowship begins to emerge, and this is important to understand. Because what the end times are going to dictate is a coming together of the real church represented by these seven. And and a fellowship is going to emerge. It starts with one, but it becomes all seven, right? Because they go on to say, Simon Peter says to them, I go fishing. And here's where the fellowship emerges. They say unto him, we also will go with you so we see a fellowship begins to emerge that is brought together by the lord and the intent of the fellowship is being about the master's business we got to go fish we got to go catch men we got to go catch souls. this is a horrible time you know this is this is a dark time it's that night it's it's at night time that they do this and so well, let's just keep going. So then what John says is very insightful. Brother Jeremy, while I read this, would you look up the word uh, in verse 3 there uh, where it says they went forth? Yes. I want you to look up the word forth, okay? okay. Yeah. Because now John begins to use specific language that begins to even lay more credence to how we're interpreting what he wrote here. and And, and the insight is incredible. So what we see is the intent under this, this this global system that has emerged, this 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 prefigure of the Antichrist, Tiberius, the coming together of a fully grown, mature church in the end, and it's and it's their intent is to go and continue to do the work of the ministry. But what's interesting is when he says they went forth, Brother Jeremy, could you look up the word forth and tell us uh, what that means?
0: Because so it's there's very. A, a, there's a few definitions here. And uh, it says to issue, right? To come yes. forth, to come out, to depart, to escape, to grow abroad, to proceed. Here's an interesting one. Um, with mention of the place out of which one goes, or the point from which he departs, of those who leave a place of their own accord. Very interesting, those, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, very of their or own what, accord. Or what? Of right? those right. who are expelled to, or what? Cast or out. Cast out. To, yes.
2: To go out of an assembly. Yeah, that's what I was mm. just going to get
1: to. So read that first uh, definition of of. Because it's a metaphor, but it's a metaphoric definition. What does it mean,
0: Brother Fernando? What you, you want me to mean? give it? To go out? Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, to go out of an assembly.
0: Forsake it. I.E., to forsake it. Right.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Mm. So what do we see here? We see a fellowship come
1: together emerging in the end of time, right? They mm-hmm. they join together. They, they're brought together under the conditions of nighttime. And that is, in essence, what's happening now. But then he uses the, the, the Greek word uh, exerhomai. That's literally how you say exerhomai in Greek, and, and 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 it literally means to come out of something, to to mm-hmm. depart out of something, to escape out of something. What is that thing? Well, it also speaks of what Brother Jeremy was reading there. Those who leave a, a particular place where they are of their own accord. So that means it, it, that it that they made a choice to leave. Mm. Right? And and also it represents those that are expelled or cast out, disfellowshipped. Mm. And, and now we got we ain't got time to get into all that, but what we do know is that there will come an ecumenical type assembly. That is a fancy yes. word for all the religions of the world are going to come together, right? <laughs> There's a false yes. prophet in Revelation chapter 13, 11, that emerges. And, and uh, he brings all the world's religions together. But, but what draws them together are is an identifying mark, right? The mark of the beast. And also what we know from scripture is that that, that is what is, is, is kind of like, what do you call it? The, the, uh, the access into that fellowship. And if you don't have that mark, you you can't participate, right? So mm-hmm. the fact that they go forth has that kind of flavor included in it. And like we like Brother Fernando was just pointing out, and you just pointing out, one of the metaphoric definitions that's given is very interesting as it relates to the prophetic context and insight of what we're talking about. It says they have to come out of an assembly, they have to forsake it. That sounds very much like Revelation chapter eighteen verse four. Can you read Revelation eighteen
0: four, brother Jeremy to us? Yes. It says And I heard another voice from heaven, from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues.
1: Amen. So there we see in the book of Revelation a command to come out of of Babylon. And Babylon in 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 Revelation's represents that spiritually corrupt system that 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 false church if you will. And 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 we're being commanded in the end of time to come out of her so that we don't partake of her sins nor receive of her plagues. Very interesting, right? Her plagues. Nor receive of her plagues are there any plagues going around nowadays oh <laughs> who knows <laughs> but, but but so the language that he uses here in John chapter 21 is very much like the language that he's using and what he writes about in the book of revelation and he draws our attention to this because remember the third appearance that as we get into this of the Lord Jesus Christ is the last appearance John records And it's the appearance that draws them out of the sea and brings them to the shore. We'll get into that a little bit in a minute. So what else? So they have to come out of something. And I think what we're seeing here in the way that it's written is that the intent is to go forth. The intent, because the faithful church is always about the master's business. But as we go on and we see they went forth, they enter into a ship immediately And that night, he identifies a particular night so that we'll pay attention because he's trying to alert us to something. That night, they catch nothing. And I think what the Lord is trying to to convey to us, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in a second here, is to understand the kind of time that we're about to enter into. Even in this country, brothers, and you can jump in anytime you want, You know, these riots, these protests, these these marches that we're seeing, they've turned to such an extent that they're now burning down churches and cutting off the heads of of, uh, sacred statues in many of the churches, you know, whether it's Jesus or Mary or whatever. I mean, the point is they're desecrating that which represents the Lord Jesus Christ. They're burning down churches. They're passing laws uh, trying uh, to keep the churches from meeting together. Uh, or assembling together, and and so forth and so on. My point of, in bringing that out is that is that uh, the the attempt at the church at this point to try and evangelize a a group of people that are beginning to to manifest in our time, they caught nothing mm. that night.
0: <laughs> and I and think what he's go ahead, brother. That, that's interesting, brother Marty, because uh, Josephus. Uh, when he uh, actually describes uh, the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, he reports that it was a thriving fishing industry at that time. There was about 230 boats that worked in the lake, telling us that there was plenty of fish. But so it's yeah. kind of interesting that that night that they went, they caught nothing.
1: Yes, and and, and, and the oper- and the operative word is they, right? <laughs> Yes. Yes. So, so yes,
0: I mean, it, you know, it, I just thought it's interesting. He describes it as as a place that it was a thriving fishing industry, so there should have been fish. But plenty. that night, yeah. yeah, there should have been plenty of fish. There was 230 boats working that lake. That worked in that lake, but this particular night, if you know, from I'm, I'm following, something happened. There was no fish that
1: they caught. Yes.
0: There's I just no wanted to bring that-, that out.
1: Yeah, that, that, that the representatives of the church caught. good
0: yeah. yeah. Right? Yes.
1: So are we being, re- is is what's being revealed here, are we being told that we are going to need to redefine what our understanding of, of ministry going forward in these dark times really
0: is? My mind. Yes, I believe so.
1: Well, why, don't we, why don't we go to Portland tonight and try to hand out tracts to those people trying to burn down the city? <laughs> How many fish do you think we're going to catch? And that might make some of you mad, but these are Satanists, communists. These are these are people who hate God, and 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 that's kind of the idea we have here. We are being told that a spirit will come upon the sea. It'll be a sea that is ruled by, quote-unquote, Tiberius, the Antichrist, and the global system. Into this collective sea, they head into the sea. But what's interesting is that they catch nothing. And it's quite possible what John is, is revealing to us here and alerting us to is that we must be very cautious in as we enter into the waters of this time. Now, mm what what we see like we pointed out is that at this time a collection of a mature church it's the church that Jesus walks in the midst of and i really don't have time to get into it and this is i shouldn't even float this out there but this is going to kind of blow some people away but notice how he didn't name two of the disciples right he named five of them but he he just calls the other two which make up the seven two disciples I shouldn't even go there. But I mean if we get if we get deeper and, and you begin to compare the seven churches of the book of Revelation to these seven that we're talking about right now, the two that aren't named seem to be two that that, that could quite conceivably represent uh the Church of Pergamus and the Church of Laodicea. Because they're right. the only two uh that are pretty much uh one is called the seed of Satan and the other one is Jesus standing on the outside knocking, trying to get in. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have gone there, but i just throw that out there for your consideration.
0: Because I, also I, I those think, two ch- – go ahead. No, finish your thought, Brother Marty. I, I, I was going to say,
1: say also, there. if you actually go look at Pergamos and Laodicea, you'll see that Jesus – that both of them have the the promise or the or the promise that's left to those two churches has has everything to do with with eating, with bread and 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 supper (laughs) so laodicea he's standing on the outside saying open up so we can come in and have supper right i'll come in and have Mm -hmm. supper with you to pergamos he says if 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 you'll overcome all your wickedness uh i'll give you hidden bread i'll give you manna so you know when we get into the rest of this 21st chapter you're going to see the intent or the finishing concluding matters that john gets to is jesus is inviting them to come and dine come and eat That is way out there for some people, I know, because you don't think this way. But if you'll meditate on what I just said and go back and study that through, I think it'll give some insight as to another layer that's being
0: communicated here.
1: You were going to say, brother? Yes.
0: I just think it's interesting how you you brought uh, that word fellowship, Uh, you know, the importance of coming into fellowship. Fellowship is different than gathering together and going to church. Right. I think we've become we've become experts of going to church. We know how to sing the songs and, and, and you know, do our thing. But what you what you're speaking about is something deeper. This is yeah. more than just all right, let's open our churches and so we can start going back. No no no. We're gonna to have to learn how to fellowship with people of like faith. You know, fellowship is more than just gathering for an hour or two. Whatever these fast food restaurant churches, you know, offer right a fifteen minute <laughs> sermon, blah blah yeah. blah. No, we're right. gonna have to understand what it is to fellowship in this hour. What's bringing us together, and not just fellowshipping itself, but who we're fellowshipping with.
2: Yes, yeah.
0: and I, you know, I, just, and that's just what's been ringing right now. Is as you said that. Um, people need to define, we need to define, okay, what is fellowship? Because it's not going to church the way we we see it today. It's different. What's bringing us together and who we're fellowshipping with in this hour.
1: You know, brother, what's really, that's really powerful. What's really interesting and what you made me think of there too, is think of what, how, how church is being redefined right now in 2020 in the United States, for example, and really all over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. What's happening, and and just over the weekend, as we speak on July the 29th, 2020, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States passed a federal law elevating casino mm-hmm. gambling above the gathering of churches. In other wow. words, it became a federal law mm-hmm. to mandate how churches meet. Mm. So you have two reactions to this that I've seen so far. One is you know, the, the, the guy who never goes to church but thinks he's part of his church now demanding that he be allowed to go to church. <laughs> you know, right. everybody wants their rights, right? They hardly ever, right. they never show up for prayer meeting or Wednesday night, but we we want to have our churches. You know, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> They're waving their flag, you know, all that stuff, but whatever, we'll get into that. But 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 what we see, which is even more diabolical, is that the concept or the construct the ideology that the federal government or the nation state has a right to to, to create a framework by which they'll sanction uh, religious activity is already that which we are beginning to see emerge of the spirit of antichrist and the false prophet because that's exactly what's going to happen is they're going to mandate Uh, state-regulated or global society-regulated approved gathering spaces of fellowship, and it's all going to be tied together by one system. So anyone outside of that is not sanctioned and finds themselves in a very precarious and dangerous time as persecution grows and the night is fast approaching. You understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs>
2: yes,
1: yes. <laughs> that, that's what that's what yes. you made me think about when you talked about what real fellowship is and what it isn't. You know, because mm. that's what we're seeing here. That's what John is apparently trying to convey to us is that they link together. And then he goes on and he says in verse three, uh, they said unto him, we go also with thee. That's the fellowship at this time. And it, when they went forth, we talked about he seems to be indicating in that at a deeper level that it's going to require a a coming out of an assembly a leaving of one place to another Let, let's just throw that out there right now you mentioned you know the what you call it the drive through <laughs> drive through christianity right <laughs> and we pull up we we pull up we get our starbucks we get our donut we go sit in we see a few tap dancers come across the stage the pastor parades out and then and in his black v-neck, uh, v-neck shirt, you know, where his chest hairs are popping out, and he's got <laughs> Jesus tattoos all over his arm. Oh, you know, with and some Air Jordans? With <laughs> some Air Jordans and some skinny jeans, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, you know, he does a little song and dance for about 10 minutes and tells everybody Jesus loves them, and they all go home. Don't matter how you live now. It doesn't matter because we're not here to judge, and, and we're we're definitely not going to, you know, put any any biblical restrictions on you you know we we just use the bible so 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 that we look legit but but the truth of the matter is we're not we're not really christian and i know that makes some people upset but you know that's where we are and john says this seven comes out they're gonna have to come out you're going to have to make a decision you know way back in 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 march when we began these podcasts if you go back and listen to them you'll hear the discussions we had and and how we felt that the Lord was telling us, this isn't going to end overnight, this isn't going to change, a whole new thing has happened, and it's going right. to become horrifically apparent just how bad what we have entered into really is, and and that the churches are going to suffer, and that these mega churches are going to be dealt with, these false prophets and all these fake ministries, you know why they're screaming to to want to meet? Because their collection plates are 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 gathering dust. Right? I mean, my mm-hmm. goodness. But yeah. when they emerge, they're gonna emerge like 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 whipped puppies, man. They're gonna do exactly what the state tells them to do because they're gonna they're gonna wanna uh, continue whatever uh trip they, they were on before, only this time redefined and sanctioned by the government. We are in dangerous straits, let me tell you. But he who has eyes to see, but,
2: see, go ahead, bud. Yeah, no, you said it right. He who has eyes to see, right? It's it's what's happening right now. or we're seeing hidden prophetically in this story that it's, it's what's happening right now. But what people are unable to see right now, yes, they're unable to see it. And mm-hmm. and, and again, by by him uh, calling the Sea of Galilee the Sea of Tiberias, it's an allusion to Rome. And in its yeah. global control, both politically and religiously. That's and right. And so, yeah. and so when Jesus shows up uh, into the scene some 2,000 years ago, what you said the church is about to emerge uh, or uh, emerge into coming out of this pandemic, coming out of all this chaos, is what Jesus came into. Yes. Uh, and, and how Rome had control in that sense of uh, the religious establishment of Israel. Yes. So, so this is playing out again in plain sight. So yes, we, we have to see the, the 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 prophecy hidden in there, the 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 signs and symbolism and and, and parallels. Uh, the seven men representing the the seven churches, right? The Sea yeah. of Tiberius yeah. being named the Sea of Tiberius purposely by the Holy Spirit to tell us what will be the climate. uh uh uh, again the sea represents people prophetically we know that we spoke about that in the prior podcast so it represents the the kind of spirit the climate that the people will be under globally and the Hmm. church will be in it too right where it will find itself what's in this particular state in time so it's very clear to see right Yes, yes
0: i I was uh, this morning. I was I was reading a little bit on church history on Constantine, how he was able to appease to the Christians or or appease to the pagans, but yet uh, you know in a way that like like what you called an ec, what did you call it ec, ecumenic?
1: Yeah, it's a hard you know, word. Ecumenical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: ecumenical. You know where the Christians were not offended or the pagans. You follow me? And, and and he was just, he he used that wow. to conquer people and mm-hmm. to appease to the pagans, but also to the Christians and bringing all these religions together, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he hiding under the guise of a Christian, you know, because that's what he called himself, but he was really, yeah. you know, they were worshiping the sun God and so forth. And that's the Roman Empire. That's a type, and it's happening to again in this. You know, it's going to happen again in in this hour, and it is. I happening. agree.
1: Yes, I agree, and I think that's why for the for the more advanced student here, uh, in in the Book of Revelation, when we see the Lamb beginning to open the seals, right, the seven seals, the very first seal that he opens is is the the man who sits upon a white horse, right, and and he has a bow in his hand and 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 it's quite conceivable that that first seal is what you're talking about brother Jeremy uh began 2000 years ago under Constantine right because he rides a white horse as if he is the messiah remember Jesus comes back in revelation 19 riding a white horse right so he went forth to conquer without the bow that's exactly what rome and the roman catholic church did in the early church history is they went forth and conquered nations no longer with armies but with religion a global religion headed by by, <laughs> by at that time constantine a roman emperor right it's just so fascinating i believe like you said we're going to see the same thing again there is coming a conquering but it's the spirit of antichrist it's a false messiah but it's it's a gathering together of all the nation uh nations of the world into one system the sea of tiberius like brother like brother uh fernando was just pointing out and so let's take a look here at what Again, as we're in the middle of this verse, so they have to come out of something, right? That's what that word forth means. They went forth. And then he's more instructive to us in that he says that they enter into a ship immediately. As soon as they come out, it's very interesting. Because the word enter, literally just to sum up the word enter, it literally means to go up or to ascend up to a higher place to come up to a higher place interesting language he's using so when when they go forth that is when they come out of the assembly right when they come out from one place to another as we've been describing already it's interesting the next word he uses they enter in other words they ascend up and then they ascend up into a ship now let's just break that down real quick because notice the ascension it, it, it it's all it's speaking of the children of god it's speaking of the church those that will come out or go forth they will ascend they're going to come up higher into a ship now <laughs> this coming up higher speaks of the spirit of god he's drawing us up he's drawing us out to bring us up and they go into a ship now what does the ship represent or what does the ship do? And as the spirit of God gave it to me, I think what John is saying here is that the the, the ship is that which they enter in order to navigate the sea, right? <laughs> you, and so it speaks of a fellowship of the believer, the true believer who will be carried by a ship on the sea at this time. They go out, they come up, they enter a ship, and now they're in the ship on the sea. And I think that ship represents the Holy Spirit. I think that he's going to bring the church up higher, the real church, the true church, and that he is the one who will help us to navigate the sea at this time. And and, and, and that fellowship with him, right? The Spirit and the bride come together. He brings us up. He brings us out. He brings us up and then places us into something so that we can— be navigating ourselves on the sea and we're going to need that navigation ability it's not a little boat it's a ship and it's able to hold all of us and and it's in this ship in this higher state entering into the ship is like entering into the spirit of god upon the sea in this dark dark night and notice it says that they enter a ship immediately I think that it speaks of a suddenness. Once they come out, there's like a suddenness that comes upon us. You know, all of all of all of it, uh, of it all, the suddenness of it all. I guess is how I would say. It's like uh, it's like the circumstances that have changed suddenly here in the year 2020, right? There's been a sudden shift in human history, just like that. But. <laughs> Also the word immediately is very interesting. It, it's from the it's from the Greek word uh, uh euthos or Eustus. It means to go straightforward but it also means to be upright, to be true and to be sincere. And and its root word the word you y o o means to be to be well off, to fare well. To prosper and to act well, and then as you dig a little even deeper into that word, because it means all this stuff, I'm telling you, it carries with it the sense of bowing down and being utterly prostrate, or you know, prostrate on on your face, like in an act of worship. So when we put all that together, the word immediately, literally means this. And taking this scripture right here to this point, they they have a fellowship. They come together. We go with you, Peter. Uh, And then they go forth. The word forth, as we describe what John is using there, is to separate ourselves out of something, to come out of an assembly. We quoted Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, come out of her, my people, at this time, right? Then they enter. When they make the choice to go forth, they enter. That means they come up higher into a ship, which we believe is, is, is representative of the Holy Spirit and the collective fellowship at this dark hour and they do it immediately it's a sudden thing that has to be done but it also is something that that collectively reveals the upright the true and the sincere that's what immediately means and that if we will and those who do taking the root word they will be well off they will fare well they will prosper and what is a characteristic of them as we dig deeper in the root is that they are a people who bow and who utterly prostrate themselves before the Lord? That that's their attitude. They're a worshipful people. It speaks of the heart attitude of the end time believer. So they immediately entered the ship, and and all these qualities and characteristics are going to be evident as we go forward, and it'll be the defining mark of of, of believers. Because you're really not going to you're not going to know. In these days, who's real and who isn't? Right, you yeah. won't know until 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 this until that mark actually begins to be implemented, which they've been talking about now all this year, right? Digital identifying marks. Uh, you know, what do they call it? Uh, those passports they want to give people. What are those passports? Right. Uh, I forget what the name they use it for, but you know, to to show that you're free of the COVID virus and you have access to restaurants and and businesses, and you know you can. All you got to do is show your little identifying mark, right? It's coming. But until then, the true brother and the true sister, the true church, will, will be able to identify each other by the quality of their character and the love of God that they have. But we seem to oh, be being told this. Go ahead, brother. Are you going to say
2: something? Uh, no, I was thinking of, of the word immediately. I was thinking of Matthew 24. Where it says immediately after the tribulation. Right, it's mm. a defining point. Your uh, their, yeah. their way will be prosperous, but at a price. Yeah, you're going to have to Very separate much. and go and go against the current, so to speak, or, or the climate yeah. of the age. Um, mm. Jesus in Matthew 24 left the temple, right, and, and he elevated mm. his disciples, right. He took them to the yeah. Mount of Olives and began to give them their navigation uh, uh, directions, so to speak, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, very good this is what this is what you must know this is how you have to navigate and then then he goes on into the parable of the of the ten virgins and 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 it speaks then it further alludes to that separation that has to take place between uh uh, the five wise and five foolish so if we have eyes to see this is all connected yes (laughs) that's really
1: good man that's really good stuff I like what you said there the, the separation, they went forth and then the entering. That's the ascending up. That that is really good. Because that is exactly the pattern that we see that Jesus in in, in Matthew twenty four, they went forth out of the corrupted system. Like he said, he said, You will not see me here again until you cry, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord and he left the temple. He then elevated well, his disciples to the Mount of Olives. And once they were elevated, he began to reveal by the Spirit, right, what was coming for the next two thousand years. Incredible, great insight. That's really good. And Brother Jeremy, what were you going to say?
0: Oh no, no, I was just saying, Amen.
1: Amen. And I, <laughs> exactly. yeah, and yeah, I like, yeah. I like, I like that that root word of the word immediately means to fare well, to prosper, to act well. So it speaks also of discernment, right? Knowing how to yeah. govern ourselves at this time. And, and and the Lord is promising us here, John is, by the way, he's writing by the Holy Spirit, that if we'll come out, if we'll come up, if we enter, if we are mm. in fellowship, all these things, he says, are going to protect you. You'll be well off. And this is, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is really, mm. really amazing what he's revealing here if you can see it now i know some of you are having a really difficult time right now some of you not all of you but some of you are having a difficult time because really i don't <laughs> when i was younger i used to have this movie and I, I forgive me for even quoting this line but i can't think of a better example if you've ever seen that movie the matrix <laughs> there's this point where where the guy gets freed from the matrix right and then when he when he wakes up in in the real world uh he opens his eyes and and he says, "Oh man, it's awful bright in here. My eyes hurt." And he says, "Why do my eyes hurt?" And the guy t- and the guy tells him, uh, "Because you've never really used your eyes before. You've never wow. used your eyes before." And that's kind of what we're talking about here. The the preachers over the last thirty years have done a horrendous job of of blinding the people with their false doctrines mm-hmm. and their their pablum and their their watered down Gospel narrative that they that they try to present to the people and so people are scripturally illiterate to the things we're talking about So if your eyes are hurting a little bit, that's good. That means the lights coming You just haven't used them enough yet, but keep keep coming keep searching keep looking Yes, because there's fascinating things that the that the Lord is now beginning to reveal to his church at this time excellent stuff brother so listen so now so now we know what the promise is is that we will be cared for. We will be we'll fare well. Uh we'll even prosper. Uh and, and, and <laughs> prosperity to me is man, if I'm hungry, I have bread to give to my children, right? I mean, that's prosperity. You know, so don't think you're gonna be living in a mansion driving a Bentley and having your own Learjet. jet. That's not the kind of prosperity we're talking about here. We're talking about the ability to endure to the end. That's prosperity. And to act well with discernment. All of that is wrapped up in what John is revealing here on that night. So it then, it comes now to to where we are at the bottom of verse 3. He emphasizes, after all these things we've been talking about, he emphasizes, and that night they caught nothing. Could you read verse 3 again to
0: us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship. Immediately in that night they caught nothing.
1: And and notice it's interesting because he uses every word like a like a master surgeon uses his scalpel with great intent and great precision. He could have he could have simply said they entered into a ship immediately and they caught nothing. He didn't say that. He could have said they entered into the ship and uh, it was nighttime and they didn't catch nothing. He didn't say that. He was specific and identifies it as that night. And yeah. and the word that he uses there for that night, what does the word night mean, Brother Jeremy? Could you look that up real quick?
0: Yes. Let me look it up. Uh, night, night, night. Here we go. All right. It means uh, midnight.
1: Yeah, so uh, let's metaphorsy. just stop right there. What, what, okay. what, what, let's just talk about midnight. Again, he uses the word midnight. It's not just any particular night, but he's using the word nooks or nix in Greek for night. Mm-hmm. And it literally means midnight. It means midnight. And we know, if those of you have been with us, that midnight is very significant. If you'll study the word of God, you'll see that the word midnight is used 13 times in the scripture, identifying particular stories, and each one of them uh, unfolds great prophetic revelation. So John is using that same word, midnight, here. It's at midnight, that midnight, that they catch nothing. Mm. And Mm. so what's being revealed here is a church that now finds itself in the middle of great tribulation it's a particular mm. midnight time and brother jeremy can you give us the uh the metaphoric definition that that the translators suggest there
0: because it's yes, very exciting. we have, yes it has a couple it says the time when work ceases uh there's also it could be a time of death time for deeds of sin and shame well don't go too fast Sorry, don't
1: okay. go so fast
0: yeah, What's the, the first, first metaphor?
1: Again. Right, the time when work ceases. Ceases. Yes. Go ahead. And is that are we are we, we have... having is socialism being revealed there? I don't know. Go ahead. Verse
0: uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh we have the second one we have here is the time of death. Yes. Another one we have is the time for deeds of sin and shame. Because iniquity shall abound, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, th- this is what this is another one, number three. It says the time of moral stupidity and darkness. And darkness.
1: And I like number four. What does number four say?
0: The time when the weary and also the drunken give themselves up to slumber. Wow! Incredible, right? It's that Incredible. night. That's
1: what he's revealing. It's in this condition, he says, they catch nothing. Well, we know why, right? It's a time of death. It's a time of death and tribulation and great persecution. Mm -hmm. It's a time when sin and shame is flaunted. Are we not seeing the beginnings of that at least over the last 20 years? I mean we could go down the list we don't have to but I mean everything from the rainbow flag to you know the 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 corruption of the children the rise and and and, and indiscriminate uh uh implementation of abortion rights that that now allow us to kill a child even when it's born after it's born I heard that this governor from Virginia talk about keeping the baby comfortable while the mother and the doctor decide whether to let it live or not. Are you kidding me? This is a time yeah. of death. This is a time of deeds of sin and shame, moral stupidity and darkness. When the weary and the drunken fall asleep, and 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 that's the night that John is describing here, and that is the tribulation, brothers. That is. But notice they're on the sea in the ship, right? So yes. that might blow a lot of people's eschatology out of the water. <laughs> but we haven't come to the shore yet, right? <laughs> uh-huh. So now we come to verse four. Would you read verse four? We're almost done.
0: But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus.
1: Okay, so let's let's just let's just ramp this up and 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 bring some some things here. So so the conditions have been perfectly painted by John in such a deep leveled spiritual way now, and and now I think some of you have begun to go, wow, that's amazing. Well, it is, <laughs> and and it is it is it is absolutely. Uh, symbiotic with with revealed scripture prophetic scripture there's perfect coming together of it uh and 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 now it's interesting what he begins to reveal he says they caught nothing but when the morning was now come what's interesting about that is is he uses the word morning and the word morning literally means the break of day this is all symbolic language the dawn the early morning in the Hebrew mind, as he's, as he's revealing it, uh, it is the time between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. So what's beautiful about that is the morning is beginning to come. It's not there in its fullness yet. It's somewhere between 3 and 6 when they find themselves in this horrible situation where they're catching nothing, right? And 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 what, what we're now being alerted to, because Brother Jeremy just read the list, of what he meant by nighttime, and and it and what the translators say the metaphoric meanings all mean: time of death, time of darkness, time of work ceasing, time of people falling asleep, time of drunks falling asleep. I mean, this is a, a time of sin and shame and moral depravity and stupidity and darkness. That's how he's describing this night, that night. But then he interjects verse four: when it gets like that, he says, the morning is now coming. <laughs> he God, mm-hmm. yes. and and Jesus and Jesus is standing on the shore, right? Yes. Do you remember Revelation chapter thirteen verse one? Anybody can
0: quote that to me. Ooh. I let Fernando do it. <laughs> it's actually it's <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it, a still nice I okay. Yes. <laughs> This is a, and I stood upon the sand of the sea yes. and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his head, the name of blasphemy.
1: So, what's interesting here is is where John is standing in the book of Revelation is on the sand of the sea, right? He's not in the sea, he's on the shore. It seems like there's a veiled reference to that here where we see Jesus standing not on the sea, right? He's standing on the shore. And And the morning is coming. Now, listen. Jesus stands on the shore, but it says, but the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. So this indicates a lesson for us right here, what John is alerting us to. One is we know it's that night it's somewhere between three and six o'clock in the morning when Jesus stands on the shore. So one, there's not enough light. Listen to me, what John is revealing is, and he wants us to alert us to is that there's not enough light yet to recognize or see the Lord, oh. right? They don't know it's him, but John wanted us to know that Jesus is, is now, uh, at that nighttime standing on the shore he wants us to know he's close and he wants us to understand that even if we can't make it out yet it doesn't mean he's not there it's meant to be comforting the daytime is coming yeah that's what he's saying right and Jesus is there, and you may not be able to quite make it out yet because it's really quite a, a dire thing that he's describing here, man.
2: <laughs> right?
1: And that he's putting forth very metaphorically to us, very spiritually. It's then, uh, he wants us to know that he's there, but there's not enough light to see him yet. But then it says in verse five, what does it say, Brother Jeremy?
0: Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no.
1: Now listen, we'll we'll, we'll explore the the children have you any meat deeper tomorrow, but I want to point something out so we don't lose this thought. Notice what he says, the morning is about to come. He's standing on the shore, but there's not enough light yet to really recognize it. It's still very dark. It's, it's just before the breaking of the day, but it's still very dark. As they used to say, it's darkest before the dawn, right? But what we see in verse 5 is it's just then it says Jesus begins to speak to them. Do you have any meat? And we'll we'll, we'll explore that a little deeper tomorrow, but I want to point this out. What What that teaches us is that even though they can't see him yet, they will begin to hear his voice. Yeah. praise god
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> right so it's going to get dark but what john is saying is the darker it gets it's it's letting us know that jesus is there he's right there remember our teaching on the song of solomon right uh my beloved he stands at the yeah. wall right and then and then he begins to look through the window at us in an anxious sort of way right and then he says come yeah. come away my love we're seeing the same pattern here If you can see it, he's on the shore, but they don't know that it's him because it's still too dark to actually see that he's there, but he is. And then then the next step that we go into is they begin to hear him speaking. That's what's going to happen. (laughs) And that's what's happening now, really, is his voice is beginning to call out. But what do we see here, man? And 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 I can't I can't stop right now. We got maybe ten minutes left, so I know that we've gone a little long, but we've got to finish just this portion. We'll, we'll stop in verse six. But what we see in verse five by Jesus calling to them is that he's begun the process of bringing them to the shore. <laughs> mm. After we described all these horrible conditions, right? Uh, we know the morning's coming. It's sometime between three and six why isn't there a specific time because no man knows the hour right no man knows the day or the hour that's kind of a reference to that uh but 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 john wants to emphasize just because we can't recognize it yet there's not enough light to see it we'll begin to hear his voice that's verse five he calls out to us and we'll dig into that a little bit deeper tomorrow as far as the children have you any meat in their response but listen what we're really seeing here is that he's begun to initiate the process of bringing us off the sea or away from the sea. John 21 verse six now reveals something pretty incredible. Would you read that brother Jeremy verse six?
0: It says, and he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to drive for the multitude of fishes. Incredible. Remember,
1: they're still on the sea, right? But what is John
0: doing here?
1: What is he actually saying to us so that we'll understand what it is he's hidden here? Because John now begins to reveal in the way that he writes that these events are indeed a hidden type of the end time. Let's take a look at a couple of things here. What do we see here? We see he tells them to cast the net, right? He tells them and identifies to them where to cast it, the right side okay. of the ship. And then he says, you will find it. Well, let's take a look at this. Turn over to Matthew chapter 13. Would you, Brother Jeremy, real quick? Yes. So we can compare scripture with scripture. Yes.
0: I'm here.
2: Now.
1: Jesus tells him, cast the net, right? Now read read to us in this. Did I say 13?
0: Yes, Matthew 13.
1: Matthew 13. Read to us uh, verse, I think it's 47 to
0: 51. Yeah, that's it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast.
1: Wait, 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 wait. So what is the kingdom of heaven like? like unto a net a net and and what is jesus saying in verse six what is john saying that he said cast the what cast your your net the net right so comparing scripture with scripture john is hiding there that this time frame we've been speaking of is the culmination of all things and we'll see that as jesus begins to go forward you're going to (laughs) see it's the same pattern read verse start again the net again the kingdom of
0: heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angel shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto them, Have ye understood all these things? They said unto him, Yea, Lord.
1: Wow. So what do we see there? Let's go back to John chapter 21, verse 6. We see the same thing happening. We see the end of the world being revealed to us. This is how Jesus chose to appear, he said. This is how Jesus came to us. This is what was going on. And he writes the concluding chapter of the Gospel of John in this way, hiding Mm. information for the end-time church to discover, which we're doing our utmost best with all our might uh, over these last several weeks to try and, and bring this forth. For, for God's people and what he's saying to us what we need to prepare to do what we need to spiritually understand we're not talking to to bachelor and christians here cuz you won't under, you probably already tuned out <laughs> we we're not we're not talking to compromised christians here because you really don't even care about these kinds of things but we're talking to you beloved saints of God who we know you're out there cuz we've heard from you and we've heard your texts your emails and we love you and and you know in your heart that God has hidden some amazing things in his word and that a new level of understanding is upon us. And the only reason that he's beginning to reveal things like this, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see it, and you will if you follow the word and listen to the spirit, the only reason is not so that we can add it to our, 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 our interesting prophetic facts file cabinet. (laughs) (laughs) that's not what this is about these are this is an instruction manual in code for the children of god at the end of time and john begins to use the very same language here and jesus is saying the same thing that he taught in the parable that jeremy just read because that parable was about the end of time look at john 21 6 again remember what jesus just said the kingdom of heaven is like a net right the very first thing Jesus says to them after he calls them out, they begin to hear his voice, is cast the net. Cast this net. And and so he's identifying by using that language. That's why he asked the disciples. And, and it's interesting because in verse 51 that you read in Matthew 13 there, uh, uh, verse 51, he asked them that question, right? Have you really understood these things? Do you understand these things he's telling them? And they said, yes, Lord, uh-huh. we understand. Well, he wanted them to note that story because they find themselves actually playing out in a historical narrative, a prophetic end-of-time story. When he tells them, cast the net, he's referring to that end-of-the-world scenario, the end-of-time scenario. And then he says, on the right side. Now, turn over to Matthew 25 real quick, Brother Jeremy. And read to us verse 31
2: through 34. 31 to 34.
1: Again, another end of the world parable here. Another end of the world parable. Go ahead.
0: When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world.
1: So, what do we see playing out here in verse 6, John 21 6, based on that parable? We see that on the right side of the ship, or on the right-hand side in the parable, is where the sheep will be gathered. And and, and what we see in the way he spoke to him in verse 6 here is cast the net. We know the net is the end of the world uh, and the kingdom of God. The right side of the ship is, is the Lord's way and John's way of writing of saying, at this time when he comes and stands on the shore— we are just moments away from the greatest harvest of God's children that we've ever seen. And he uses the phraseology of the right side of the boat because he's making a distinguish between the rest of the fish in the sea. He wants you to get the fish that are on the right side of the boat because that's his fish. Oh my goodness. Um, All right. Cool. <laughs> so this is what he's saying. Uh no, Think about this. When, when when fishers catch fish, they usually put them in the boat, right? But this catch right. that he's t- talking about here, right, it teaches us that this is the end time concealed. Because like the parable, these fish uh, are, are like those that, that which when it is full, they're drawn to the shore, right? In that parable, he said, when the net is full, he draws them to the shore. Well, that's exactly right. what happens with, with this catch, right? Will you read that, brother, brother, uh, brother Jeremy, uh, in verse? Uh, what does it say? That uh, verse eleven. What is? It? No, not eleven. Where okay. is it? Let's see, uh, Jesus is on the shore. Uh, the uh, 10? Is it ten? Yeah, it? and then what Simon. P- yeah, okay. Ten and eleven. When they finally get to the shore, we'll we'll cover that in, tomorrow.
0: But. It says, uh, Jesus said unto them, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken.
1: So we see that language John's using, right? Peter uh, goes and draws the net to the land right? He draws it to the shore. That's that parable. When when the net was full, uh they drew all those fish to the to the shore. And even in that parable that Jesus gave in Matthew 13:47 through 51, uh they separate, right? The good from the bad. Uh the fact that he decrees to to cast the net on the right side of the boat is his way of saying, uh these fish belong to me. I'm separating these fish at this time in the end for myself. They will come and inherit the kingdom that has been promised since the foundation of the world. It speaks of that separation, man. And and that's kind of where we're going to end it today. We're going to, you know, that's where they are because, because what we're going to see tomorrow uh, is, is understand that there's a feast that's waiting on the shore, right? In verse 12, Jesus says unto them, come and dine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so he's going to take us off the sea, right? He's going to come get us at the break of day. He's going to have us, um, uh, what we are witnessing in in the drawing of the multitude of the fish on the right side of the boat, is his sheep being collected and brought to the shore where he has a a meal prepared for us. That's the wedding feast of the Lamb. Right. But so the wedding feast is waiting on the shore and and really what we want to look at tomorrow. Uh, and I know we've gone really, really in some deep places for, for for thought and meditation. But I pray you'll listen to these things again and go through the scriptures so that you'll see it's there. Um, but tomorrow we'll look at there's so many other things, several things yet to discover. We want to ask the question, because after this event, Peter jumps into the sea, right? <laughs> Why does he jump into the sea? It's just a weird thing to do. He jumps into the sea. And then it, it, it says in verse 7 that he, he put on his coat before he jumped into the sea. Why did he put on his coat before he jumped into the sea? And and John, and John and, and we're told here that John reveals to Peter that it, it's the Lord that's standing on the shore. What does that mean? What does that imply? Well, there's so much more to look at. But but one of the things we know that that implies when John reveals that to Peter is, is what Daniel revealed to us or the angel revealed to Daniel that in the in time that 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 the wise would instruct many and 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 there will be those that and God I know that God talking to some of you out there he's going to use you to instruct your family to instruct your neighbors to 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 make sure that 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 you get all those fish on the right side of the boat man i mean he's going to use you for those things before this night comes remember what jesus said can you read that and i think it's in math is it matthew brother or john uh chapter 9 i think it's yeah it's john chapter 9 verse 4 can you read that brother to us john chapter 9
0: verse 4 here we go. I must work the works of him that set me while it is day, that the night cometh when no man can work.
1: Interesting, right? The night cometh when no man can work. Isn't that one of the definitions you read to us, Jeremy, what John was using when he said it was that night they caught nothing? One of the yes. definitions for the word night was what? When work ceases? Ceases, Right. Yes. So what Jesus is telling us as we see these things beginning to come ahead of us, it's already begun. It's happening. It's going to increase. Make up your mind right now. We are not going back to what you knew in 2019. It ain't going to happen. These are the days that the prophets warned us about. And I think it's growing more and more apparent to all of us. who are paying attention that we need to be in the word and in the scriptures. And we need to be, fellowshipping with like-minded believers. We need to come out of this compromised church system, which is now being ruled by by, by nation states, by the global uh, encroachment upon all of our rights and freedoms. And that we're going to need to come up higher into the ship of the Holy Spirit, if you will, and draw Mm. close together and fellowship one with another. But before that night comes, while we still have a little bit of daylight at least, We must be about the father's business. We must be like the master said about his father's business and work the works of God while we still have time. Because like he said, the night is coming when no man can work. What we can be sure of is that the word of God is revealing that we are quite possibly entering now in our time to these prophetic days. We're seeing rapid fulfillment right now. And to the believer, these things, honestly, what we're talking about, to the to the real believer, it's joy unspeakable because mm. we know the Lord is coming. It's not something, you know, we're not masochists, man. We don't want bad things to happen. But he, <laughs> he didn't leave us without a witness. He told right. us these things would happen. And we have to tell others. We have to hide ourselves in him. For we know that. We know that the Lord's about to call us from the shore, right? <laughs> right. It, 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 and and, and it, it may be dark, right? And we can't really make him out yet. There's not enough light yet to see him. But John says, make no mistake. He's standing there. He's there. And you're about to hear his voice. And And, and he's going to draw us home soon. That's our blessed hope. Jesus is coming. Our redemption is drawing near. And we pray you join us again. Tomorrow, as we explore further the mysteries in John chapter 21, and the night that they caught nothing. Hmm. Brother Jeremy, brother Fernando, you have any closing
0: thoughts? No. Nope. All right. All right. Okay. Oh. Well said.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> uh, it's um. You know, Brother Marty, it's it's part of the preparation. The part of the preparation is coming to grips, you know, with reality that things will not be the same, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, when, when we hear things of, 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 of Daniel, when it says, and he purposed in his heart, right? He didn't wait for the situations to get, you know, crazy. We're like, okay, yeah, what these brothers were saying is true. No, no, no. Now is the time to prepare and make up your mind. Like you're saying, brother, you know, because many people are going to open their eyes, but it's going to be too late Yes, for some people, you know. And, um, and, and And that's part of it is determining in your heart right now, you know, and understanding these are the last days. I got to get ready. I got to get ready. Time is short. And so we want to challenge. We want to challenge the listener as we challenge ourselves every day. To draw closer to him, to walk with him, to be have our ears in tune to his voice. It's his voice is what's gonna make a difference in this hour. I don't wanna hear nobody else's I wanna hear his voice. Yeah, his bad. voice makes yeah, a difference. Amen. We pray that you've been blessed today. And we pray that you join us tomorrow as we've been so blessed, uh, going and, and uh through these chapters and and seeing scripture by scripture, my brothers and sisters, uh uh laying out a case that these are the last days. Amen. We pray that you've been blessed. May God bless you, may God keep you, and as always, keep looking up.